Tonight we're talking about pre-trip, post-trip, or mid-trip. Basically, I'll just try to explain the three concepts. Okay, so there are three main views held. The first one is the pre-tribulation rapture, which is the one majority of believers hold, which basically stipulates that before the tribulation comes, the church will be out of here. So the tribulation does not involve the church, but it involves maybe backsliding Christians, people that missed the rapture and the Jewish nation. And those are the people that the Antichrist is going to um, oppress and persecute. So that is the pre-tribulation rapture view. Um, The second view held is the post-tribulation rapture. It basically says that the church will go through all the process of the tribulation. And then after that, the rapture. You see, the beautiful thing with all the views... All the views make references to the same scriptures. All make references to the same passages of the Bible. But they are just interpreting it very differently. And that's why I said, don't call anybody a heretic who holds a different view. Because we are all looking at the same prophecy, but people are seeing it very differently. It's just like the prophecy of the Messiah. The Jewish nation knew the prophecy of the Messiah, but they all just saw it very differently. Okay? So it happens with prophecy. That's just how it is. So post-tribulation says the church will go through all of the tribulation and then the rapture. Now the problem I had with that view, with that position, is the fact that if the church has already gone through all of the tribulation, which means almost everybody is already dead, what then is the goal of the rapture? So are we going to be raptured and then we are with Christ in the sky and then suddenly return back to the earth for the millennium? Like what's the purpose? So we're raptured and then we come back immediately for the for the for the for the for the millennium because the Bible makes us understand that the tribulation period would last for seven years okay seven years the Antichrist is going to have seven years okay so what's the point of the rapture if the rapture the second coming of Christ the killing of the Antichrist, the battle of Armageddon, everything is happening on the same day. It really doesn't make any sense. And that was the problem I had with that. And then, as I began to study and study and study and study, and you see, this is something very important that we need to learn to do as Christians, to to be open enough to other views, even if... A particular view is something you've believed all your life. It is important to be open enough to listen to other sides of an argument. You will be smarter that way. You listen to other sides of an argument. Don't say, this is what everybody believes or this is what I've always believed. I don't care what else you believe. No. If someone is coming with a different view or with a different... I'm not saying be swayed by every wind of doctrine. I am just saying, even if they are wrong, know why they are wrong. 
Let it not be that you are not even aware that there is this other argument going on out there. You can listen to the argument and then say, okay, this is why you are wrong. Okay, so Romeo is saying what I understand in terms of the pre-tribulation rapture is that this maintains the rapture of course when Jesus comes secretly to gather the church prior to a seven-year great tribulation, yes, that precedes the return of Christ on earth, yes. I mean, at least that's my understanding. Yes, yes, you're right. That's that's basically the con- concept of the pre-tribulation rapture. You're absolutely right about that. About the concept. <laughs> All right. Now, um, the the third view is the mid-tribulation rapture. And when we say mid, it doesn't necessarily mean right in the middle. It just means somewhere between the beginning and the end. So it could be within six months. It could be within six years of the tribulation. And I will show us from the Bible why, in my opinion, this seems to make a lot more sense than the other two i am not saying i am right i am just saying i will show us from scriptures why in my opinion this seems to be a more balanced perspective balanced not because it is mid-tribulation but balanced because it captures it actually captures um the merits of both views without doing harm to them okay So the mid-tribulation view basically stipulates that the the church will go through some of the tribulation and then somewhere in there, somewhere in there, nobody is sure at what point, but somewhere in there, the rapture takes place. And then the remaining of the events on earth will continue. And then Christ will return with the raptured saints to fight against the Antichrist at the Battle of Armageddon, to destroy the Antichrist and to establish his kingdom for a thousand years. All right. First, let's read a few scriptures. Let's start from 2 Peter chapter 3 from verse 1. 2 Peter 3, 1. It says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle. Okay, so let's keep... Let's go to verse 3. It says, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Okay, um, you can read all the way to verse 10 in your own time. Romeo is asking, is the mid-tribulation not similar to the pre-tribulation view except that it locates the rapture after the first three and a half years at the point where the Antichrist assumes power? Yet again, my understanding from the... Yeah, yes, but um, I, I wouldn't place it at exactly three and a half years. That's what I'm being very mindful of. I don't know if it's happening at the three and a half years. And I will explain all of this further, but you're right. You're, you're right. That's the main difference between the mid-tribulation view and the pre-tribulation view. 
Um, yes, sir, Mr. Sheye. Uh, he's asking if the judgment seat of Christ will happen before the millennium. Yes, I believe it will. And and also concerning the judgment seat of Christ, um, you know, the, there is the the Bible mentions it twice, and we know that it is something that every believer will have to encounter. I don't know if it is a special event. I just know that it is a process that every believer goes through. Um, so when is the judgment seat of Christ? I do not know. Is it immediately someone dies and he appears before God and then he goes through his judgment there? Or is there a special day that is set, you know, like Paul said, that every man's work will be tried by fire? So is it that the people that are already in heaven, have they gone through that process or are they waiting for a specific day to go through that process? I don't think that there is a specific day. I think it's just a process that everybody eventually goes through um, that goes to heaven. So I personally, that's what I believe that um, I don't have any scriptures for this, right? But I, I believe that the moment you appear before Christ in heaven, you go through your process and you get on with it. Uh, that's what I believe. What I do know is that the marriage supper of the Lamb, there is a specific day for it. But the judgment seat of Christ, Paul said we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But I don't know that there is a special day set aside for it, like in the case of the white throne judgment, where there is a special day set aside for it. Let's read uh, two more scriptures. So many scriptures for us to read, actually. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. 2 Timothy 3, 1. It says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. No, no, I won't read all the rest. Let's just read verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. What are perilous times? In the Amplified Translation, it says, But understand this, that in the last days will come come set in perilous times of great stress listen great stress and trouble hard to deal with and hard to bear does this sound like tribulation absolutely okay now let's look at uh, john chapter 16 and verse 33 john 16 33 jesus speaking to his disciples made a very interesting statement to them. He said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you will have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So Jesus was guaranteeing his disciples, i.e. us, that in him we will have peace. In the world we will have tribulation. This... Uh, these two events are happening simultaneously. We are in him because we are believers. But while we are in the world, we will have tribulation. Okay, so you see Jesus used the term tribulation here. The reason I am making reference to this scripture is so that we will understand that when we talk about the great tribulation, we are just talking about, like Paul said in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it's going to be a time of great stress 
hard to deal with and hard to bear. It's going to be a time of hardship. Um, last week, we read a scripture in the book of Revelation that says that those that are destined for prison will go to prison. Those that are destined for the sword will die by the sword. Okay? But it's going to be really hard times. It's going to be really rough times. It's going to be really tough times. It's going to be worse than the Holocaust. Will everybody be killed? No. Will everybody go to prison? No. But generally speaking, it's going to be a very, very, very rough time. Okay? It's going to be a very, very, very rough time. That's it. And and the earlier, you know, the church begins to understand that we are called um, to this. This is the life that we are called to. Jesus said we are called to this. But over the years, we have convinced ourselves that we are of a different generation that are immune to persecution or are immune to hard times or are immune to difficult things. And so right now, the average churchgoer finds it difficult to accept the fact that a time will actually come when God will give the enemy power over the church. You know? Um, Okay, so... I said that the scriptures we use for the rapture are all the same. The scriptures that the people pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, mid-tribulation, the scriptures we use are all the same. It's just the interpretation of it that is that are different. And um, I think one major loophole with the post-tribulation uh, view is the fact that they try to separate, uh, they, they, they try to merge the rapture with the second coming of Christ, which is one strength of the argument with the pre-tribulation view, because the pre-tribulation view separates the rapture from the second coming of Christ, making them two exclusively separate events, and there are scriptures to back that up, and I'm going to show that to us in a very short while. In the rapture, Jesus does not descend to earth. We meet him in the sky, right? We meet him in the sky. In the second coming of Christ, which is the day of the Lord. Anytime you see in the Bible where it says the day of the Lord, it's not referring to the rapture. It's referring to the second coming of Christ. So when you see in Joel 2 where it says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain, for the day of the Lord cometh, the, the day of the Lord cometh, the day of darkness and gloominess. The day of the Lord is not a good day. The day of the Lord is a day of judgment when he is going to judge the earth. That is not the rapture. That happens after the rapture. And I'm going to show us in the Bible. Alright? So let's start reading scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from verse 51. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruptible, and this mortal must put on immortality. Now this, 
okay let, let's go on 54 so when this corruptible has put on incorruptible and this mortal has put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is your sting oh hades where is your victory so please if you are among those that quote this scripture when people die stop it because it's it's a very wrong application of scripture all right this is the context where it was used but this scripture here is talking about the rapture okay the trumpet will sound the dead in christ will rise first and then those that are living will join okay now let's see first thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13 first thessalonians 4 13 it says but i do not want you to be ignorant brethren concerning those who have fallen asleep lest you sorrow as others who have no hope for if we believe that jesus died and rose again even so god will bring with him those who sleep in jesus for this we say to you by the word of the lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the lord will by no means precede those who are asleep for the lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of god and the dead in christ will rise first then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds take note of that caught up together that's where the word rapture comes from to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the lord where where in the air and thus we shall always be with the lord therefore comfort one another with these words i am reading first thessalonians chapter 4 from verse 13 to 18 first thessalonians 4 13 to 18 okay so here it describes the rapture in more details and it says that there will be a trumpet christ will appear in the sky we will meet him in the air he doesn't come down we will meet him in the air okay now let's continue keep that in mind now let's look at uh matthew 24 27 Matthew 24, 27. It says, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. So take note of this. Jesus said, after the tribulation that's when this thing is going to happen immediately after the tribulation of those days so there will be a tribulation the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken then the sign of the son of man will appear in heaven that's in the sky all right not when it says in heaven it's not talking about where the throne of god is it's talking about heaven as it relates to the earth the atmospheric heaven okay and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory they will see him coming okay and he will now send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds uh, from one end of heaven to another so you see this is consistent jesus will appear but the angels with the trumpet will do the harvesting okay now uh 
Now let's look at Zechariah chapter 1. Chapter 14 rather. Zechariah chapter 14. So I, I have showed us scriptures now about the rapture. Let's look at Zechariah chapter 14. And let's see something a bit different. From verse 1. It says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming. Take note of this now. This is not the rapture. This is the day of the Lord. Please take note of the difference and see the difference in how the events pan out. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the house is rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. This is the battle of Armageddon, okay? Now look at verse 4. And in that day... His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two. This is a very descriptive scenario. From east to west, making a very large valley, half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. So this is saying on the day of the Lord, Jesus descends. He lands on Mount Olives and the mountain will split in two. So this is different from the day where he comes and he's in the air. All right. Now let's look at a few more scriptures. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 from verse 2. It says, now let, let's, let's read from verse 1. It says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. Okay? Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and our gathering together to him. We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means. That day will not come unless the falling away first comes and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now... You know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Now, let me pause here. For a long time, there's been lots of debate about this. Some persons have said he who restrains is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be taken away from the earth. Then the Antichrist will be revealed. Some persons, and for a large part, I had believed that it was the church. So when the church is taken away, then the Antichrist will be revealed. But none of that is true. Um, If you read the book of Revelation, you will see a pattern. Romeo, uh, Romeo is asking, do you believe that we're already experiencing part of the tribulation? No, not the one the Bible talks about in Revelation. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Okay, so when you read the book of Revelation, it's consistent. You will see that there were certain kinds of judgments and certain kinds of evil that 
um, they were there waiting but it's like maybe God put an angel or he put a system to just seal that thing up until the time was right and so when he talks about he who restrains I don't think it's talking about the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is as long as there is one believer on the earth the Holy Spirit will never leave the earth because the Holy Spirit does not hang around he's inside the believer okay so as long as there's one believer on earth the Holy Spirit will never leave the earth Okay, so the Holy Spirit will not be taken away from the earth. That's not what the scripture is saying. Okay, and it's not referring to the church either. Um, I believe that there is a spiritual system that is restraining the Antichrist system currently. And when the time is right, God is just going to say, okay, you know what? Unleash him. And if you read the book of Revelation, you actually see similar patterns angels or demons of destruction that have been held somewhere and then finally maybe after a trumpet god just says all right release them you know and then they come out and wreak havoc that's what i believe this to be uh, because based on these theories people have i think been misled okay but let's continue it says uh and then the lawless non- one will, verse 8 will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power signs and wonders and with all our righteousness deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved and for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Uh, finally, let's read uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 from verse 1. It says, But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, now take note of this. It's talking about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. This scripture is not talking about the rapture. This scripture is talking about the day of the Lord. So pay attention. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say they, it's talking about them out there. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. So take note, it's describing the day of the Lord as a day of destruction upon them. Okay? As labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Can you see that? So, so it, Paul is saying that actually you have no business with the day of the lord you are not in darkness it has nothing to do with you it is the people out there that is going to overtake as a thief in the night and and then it goes on to say you are all sons of light and sons of the day we are not of the night nor of darkness therefore let us not sleep as others do but let us watch and be sober Okay, and then in verse 9, it goes on to say how for, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, what is the tribulation? Um, what qualifies the tribulation is outright persecution 
persecution of the church, persecution to the point of death, persecution to the point of being thrown into prison for the sake of our faith. Okay, for the sake of our faith. Um, so what is going on right now is persecution, but it does not qualify as the great tribulation because uh, the great tribulation, you know, the, the world has showed its, its hatred for Christ and the church, but they are still being politically correct about a lot of things. A point will come where that political correctness will go out the window and it's going to be pure black and white. It's either you are for us or you are against us. Just like it happened in the time of the early church, just like what the Jews faced during the Holocaust. So if you want to understand what the Great Tribulation is going to be like, study the early church and study the Holocaust. And then it will give you an idea. But the Bible says that the Great Tribulation will be matchless in comparison. Nothing like it before and nothing like it after. All right. Um, so the rapture and the second coming of Christ, I hope I have been able to establish the fact that they are two, dif- they are two separate events. Now, I want, to, I want to show us something from Second Thess- Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4. Something very quickly, Second Thessalonians 2, 4. It says, let no one, de- uh, from verse 3, it says, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, that's the Antichrist, talking about a person who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So the Antichrist is going to oppose everything that is called God, every deity, not just Yahweh. Why is this important? It is because the Antichrist is going to persecute every religion, not just Christianity. He's actually going to persecute every religion, but Christianity is going to be the biggest victim because we are going to be the most stubborn. Uh, we are going to be the most adamant. So, the day of the Lord is the same as the second coming. Yes, that is correct, sir. So anytime you see the day of the Lord, don't think rapture. The day of the Lord is not the day where the church is caught up. The day of the Lord is the day where Christ descends to judge the earth. Okay? And that is the second coming. Yes, sir. Now, um, there are... There are three kinds of tribulation that the world is going to experience. One is the tribulation of the church. All right? The second one is the tribulation of the Jews. The Bible calls it the day of Jacob's troubles. All right? The day of Jacob's trouble. The third one is the tribulation of the world. The world the people that receive the mark of the beast and the inhabitants of the earth will face tribulation. And so, in these last days, everybody, just listen to me now, listen to me now, and take comfort in this. <laughs> in these last days, everybody will receive their share. It's just turn by turn. Okay? That's the difference. Though. That's, that's the only difference. But in these last days, everybody will receive their share. Believers will receive their share when they are gone. (laughs) The Jews will receive their share when they are almost exterminated. The world will receive their share. Now, let me show us a few scriptures as we wrap up tonight. Uh, Let's look at Revelation 
chapter 14 from verse 6. I want to show us the rapture in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 14 from verse 6. It says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, and the sea and springs of water. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is falling, is falling, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image. Now take note, all of these events now are happening when the beast is around, when the mark of the beast is in force and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. This is as clear as any scripture can ever be. If anyone receives the mark of the beast, they are lost forever. It's, this is the clearest scripture in the Bible. You cannot misunderstand it. It's as clear as that. Nothing like, oh, I received the mark and repent later. No, there's nothing like that. The Bible is clear, crystal clear about it. Now, look, look at verse 13. Uh, verse 12 rather now after I talks about the mark of the beast saying don't receive the mark of the beast verse verse 12 says here is the patient of the saints here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me right blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on yes says the spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. And verse 14, Then I looked and behold a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. This is the rapture. Now, Jesus explains something similar in Matthew chapter 13 from verse 39. Where he talks about, you know, the the wheat and the tears. And he talks about how everything will be allowed to grow together. And in the end, right? During the harvest, they will be separated. And this is God basically separating the wheat from everything else. So this is the rapture. But if you read a bit further, you see something quite interesting. Verse 17, Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, who had power over fire. And he cried with a loud voice, 
with a loud cry to him who had a sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. Sounds like the rapture, right? But see what happens next. So the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridle for 1,600 furlongs. That's about 300 miles. Blood will be flowing to a horse's bridle, which is about five feet high for about 300 miles okay and um and then when you read further um i i encourage all of us to read the book of revelation we begin to see the judgment bowls that will be poured on the earth okay the seven bowls that will be poured that will be poured on the earth judgment on all those that receive the mark of the beast the antichrist and all his people and then when you go a bit further in uh, I think uh, chapter 19 then you see the second coming of Christ let's just read it for reference purposes Revelation 19 11 Revelation 19 11 it says now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war so he's coming for war all right his eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns he had a name written that no one knew except himself he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of god and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen white and clean followed him on white horses now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron he himself threads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of almighty god and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords do we understand the sequence of events so far so um i'll just give a quick rundown of the timeline of events so there's going to be the revelation of the antichrist the mark of the beast is going to be revealed and enforced there's going to be the tribulation of the saints somewhere in between the rapture is going to happen then God will unleash his judgment on the world. Then God will judge Babylon. Then there will be the marriage feast. I, um, I skipped that verse somewhere, but it's in there. There will be the marriage feast in heaven. That happens between uh, the rapture and the second coming of Christ. Then there will be the second coming of Christ. So the marriage feast is... Uh, the, the, the marriage feast is probably going to be the last major event in heaven uh, with Christ and the saints. And then there will be the second coming of Christ to the battle of Armageddon. And then Christ will begin to rule for a thousand years with his saints. And then there will be the white throne judgment after those 1,000 years. And then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Well, we'll talk about some of these other things um, in subsequent classes. Romeo asked, is the beast of Revelation 13, 1 to 10, an empire or an individual? 
Revelation 13, it is actually an individual. Uh, the beast in Revelation chapter 13 from verse 1 is an individual. Um, there are other scriptures that talk about the beast as a system. All right. Uh, so there is a beast as a demon, there is a beast as a system, and then there is a beast as a person. The beast from the sea and the beast from the earth in Revelation chapter 13 are talking about individuals. The beast from the earth is the false prophet. The beast from the sea is the Antichrist. Okay. Um, yes, Romeo, um, you may want to read again Revelation chapter 14, which we just read. Okay, so when you read Revelation chapter 14 and you see the sequence of events, you see that uh, first the, anti uh, the, the, the Antichrist is revealed and then the false prophet is revealed in chapter 13. And then in chapter 14, you see the angels warning people not to take the mark of the beast. And then in chapter 14 and verse 12, it encourages the saints to be patient. Okay, it says this means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. Okay, that's the admonition for the saints. All right, and then when you go further down uh, to verses 14 to 16, then it talks about the rapture. So uh, the, the, the saints are here during the mark of the beast and they are encouraged to endure persecution patiently so just take a very close look at revelation chapter 14 which we just read all right from verse 9 to verse 16 and you see the sequence of events there the antichrist there are people are warned not to accept the mark of the beast the the saints are encouraged to be patient and endure persecution patiently and then the rapture happens and after the rapture god begins to unleash his judgment on the on the, no, 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 they are not the same. Uh, 14 to 16 is talking about the rapture of the saints, all right? 17 to 20, it's talking about the judgment on the earth. So if you see 17 to 20, it talks about the grapes trampled in the wine, wine press of God's wrath, okay? So there are two similar events, but for separate people and to separate ends. 14 to 16 is the rapture of the saints. 17 to 20, it's just like the parable of Jesus, of the wheat and the tears, right? So first of all, the wheat are harvested, right? And they are taken into the barn. And then what happens? The tears are now gathered and they are burned in fire, all right? That is exactly what happens in Revelation chapter uh, 14, from, from 14 to 20. Um, I wanted to talk about World War III, but I guess I'll talk about World War III when I'm talking about other things. But yeah, World War III is actually predicted in, in, in the book of Revelation chapter 6. And you will be able to tell the, the, the dead count from Revelation chapter, chapter 6. And they are not in millions, they are in billions. Um, I think about at least two billion people will die in World War III. Um, <laughs> I think about two billion people will die in World War III, but because of time, I'll show that to us in, in another session. Let's look at Revelation chapter 6. <laughs> Revelation chapter 6. As I watched, the Lamb broke the first of the seven seals, 
on the scroll, then I heard one of the four living beings say with a voice like thunder, Come. I looked up and saw a white horse. Standing there, its rider carried a bow, and a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain victory. Now this, I know a lot of people think is Christ, but it's not Christ. A lot of people think he is Christ because he has a white horse and he has a crown. This is actually not Christ. This is the Antichrist. All right. Now let's go further. It, it explains that the Antichrist is going to start wars. He's going to win many battles and gain many victories. Now when you continue in verse 3, it says, When the Lamb broke <laughs> when the lamb broke the second seal, I heard the second living being say, Come. Then another horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. So you see, the first horse, which is the Antichrist, the first horseman, we've heard about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, yes? The first horseman, which is the Antichrist, his revelation activates the second horseman, which is war. All right, follow closely. It says, And another horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. Sounds like a world war. All right. Verse 5 When the Lamb broke the third seal, I heard the third living being say, Come. I looked up and saw a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice from among the four living beings say, A loaf of wheat, bread, or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay, and don't waste the olive oil and wine. So the Antichrist is revealed. His presence brings about war, which is the second horseman. The presence of war brings about famine, which is the third horseman. All right, so you see that they are related. All right, let's continue. Verse 7, when the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living being say, Come, I looked up and saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death, and his companion was the grave. These two were given authority. Please follow these two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and disease and wild animals. So, the Antichrist is revealed. His presence brings war. War brings famine, and then famine brings about death. And the Bible, the Bible says that authority was given to them. Authority was given to death and hell over one fourth. Authority was given to death and hell over one fourth. So when you do one fourth of seven point eight billion, you arrive at my number. Is it going to be a nuclear war? Absolutely. Absolutely. China, India, Russia, North Korea, Iran, they are going to play heavily 
the US, they're going to play very heavy roles in it. But you see, it's not the people that are going to die directly. The Bible makes us understand that these events will bring about a domino effect that will cause hunger. All right, now think about Africa, for instance, where there's about 1.3 billion people, right? And Africa is heavily dependent on the West for a lot of things. Now, do you think that Africa will thrive when there is a world war? Okay, so it's it's just so that that is World War Three actually staring us in the face, and the Bible lets us understand how it's going to unfold. It's going to be the Antichrist war. It's going to be the Antichrist war, and it's going to take a lot of people with it. Not necessarily people that died directly from bullets, but people that die from other things that are consequences of the war. Hunger, disease, you know, all those other unpleasant things. So, interesting times to be alive. If God, if God made us come in this generation, it's because he thinks we can handle it. So, I guess we can handle it, yeah? Um, don't be afraid of dying. People only die once. So, don't be afraid of it. Like I always say, I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want to die for nothing. Um, but I'm happy to die for a good cause. Very happy to. There's nothing here anyway. Um, I hope you have found this interesting. I want to challenge us. Please go back to the book of Revelation. Study it as many times as possible. I've studied it over and over and I'm still studying it over and over. Study with an open mind and trust God to, you know, to open you. And and by the way, it's important for us to know that there is a specific blessing attached to studying the book of Revelation. Um, there is a specific, if you read the book of Revelation, it says that there is a specific blessing attached to reading the book. So don't be afraid of it. Read it and trust God. Like I said, if God has brought us into this world at such a time as this, it, it is because he knows that we have the capacity to handle whatever is coming at us because the Bible says he will not give to us more than we can handle. But I, I know over time, when we process it, we will become more at peace with some of these things. I can understand how some of us feel right now. I felt that way at some point. Ah, is it not better to die? Ah, if such hard times are waiting for us ahead, is it not just better to die now? <laughs> you know, and things like that. But um, I guess if you are feeling that way, um, I have done my job tonight and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. And um, over time, over time, you will, you will become at peace with the realities. Remember what Jesus said in the book of John, in this world, you will have tribulation. In me, you will have peace. So focus on Christ, stay in Christ, and Christ is the only one that can give us peace in the midst of whatever. Okay. And there is great reward in, as you can see in the book of Revelation, there are certain certain privileges that are sort of exclusively to those that, that are persecuted.